Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. It's 1-1 in this Magic Raptor series, and the next two are here at home. Warm up those vocal cords, Orlando, and bring the noise, Magic fans. Let's go. get to reviewing game two in a moment there's no magical moment segment this episode you'll get one before game five uh, i've got a rant later on against local radio towards the end of this episode as well so i've got some stuff to get out with that but we're going to combine game three and four previews in this uh, one pod right now since they're so close together this weekend friday and sunday and honestly i just want everybody to enjoy it, including you and i uh, I will be going to Game 3, so I'm absolutely thrilled about that. And then you and I will be going to the Orlando City game uh, Saturday afternoon. Hopefully they won't shit the bed, but whatever. We'll, we'll deal with it. I'll and, trade a City loss for a Magic win. Oh, God damn it! you know I will, too. Um, and then Game uh, 4 Sunday, I, I'm definitely going to be at Wall Street for, uh, well, at least I'll be downtown for uh, somebody's birthday festivities combined with Magic watching, so... Very fun weekend ahead, which is great because next week is my finals exam week for my master's classes at UCF. So hopefully uh, I'll be in a real good mood going into hardcore study mode at that point. But okay, game two. So I don't know. Where do we start, Penny? Do we start with do we start with our Oh, how about this? Let's go on a more lighthearted thing. So. Bismack Biombo, about 45 days before he had to make a decision, already picks up his option for the 2019-2020 season with Charlotte. Yeah, the Hennigan gift that keeps on giving. So he's making $17 million next season, and the, there's like a hilarious gif of just these guys running to to you know the moment that Biombo's going to go sign his 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 uh his option or pick up his option so yeah he's never gonna make that much money ever again so cash it in and honestly i prefer having timothy mozgov as a really expensive cheerleader anyway so very underrated person on the team uh mozgov has an extensive uh, gucci wardrobe that i've been enjoying him breaking out on the team flights and stuff so i'm not that fashion forward you are so honestly you should probably throw some of that more out there honestly but okay game two so there were some questions going into it. Would Kawhi play more than 33 minutes? Uh, would Vucevic's lingering effects from a stomach virus go away, or would he be fully healthy in Game Two, or would he bounce back from one of his worst shooting percentages, uh, shooting percentage games of the season? He obviously did not. He did not. Uh, also, Kawhi, I don't think uh, reached 33 minutes because, well, he didn't have to because, well, Kawhi had 37 points on. 15 to 22 shooting and he played exactly 33 minutes in game two that's all he needed to do um we'll we'll delve into this probably more than i want to but we we kind of have to as a as a review as as a recap but the other one would be would toronto start making their open threes this time that actually didn't really play out either even though they shot over 50 percent for the game when you look at the, their threes, 11 of 35, not great. A little bit better than game one. Yeah, they went 12 of 36 in game one. So, the well, same. about the same, actually. Yeah. So, pretty much it comes down to effort and just the magic, I'd say, giving up way too too much defensively, just way too easily. 
letting guys get get into spots and then just being flustered by Toronto's, I guess, more focused effort defensively. Um, Vegas knew something, obviously, because they uh, they originally game one they put the odds at eight and a half. Obviously, the Magic won the game, so they killed that one. And then game two they posted at nine and a half, and by tip off it was ten and a half point spread. So somebody knew something, obviously. So. Uh, the narrative going in by most of the national media folks like Windhorse, Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo was Orlando won't shoot that well again. Tas Mellis from the starters had a, uh, my Greek brethren, he had a uh, very interesting uh, thought in that really he didn't think Toronto played hard enough, which I thought that was bullshit. But when you look at how they played defensively, they obviously kicked it up another notch. Certainly played hard in game two. All right, so we watched the game at basement, which ended up being a mistake, probably. Um, I like basement. I love, I, I just love the, I mean, they always have sporting uh, events on, and they always have the Magic games on. They have even Orlando City games on. You don't have to ask them to, to put on local stuff on. But ever since Jimmy Hula's took over, like, the second like, half, half of the bar, basically, I think it's kind of downticked a little bit. Um, yeah, also, I'm surprised they cut their footprint in half, and uh, evidently going for the free beer was not the wise choice. Nah, free Coors Light wasn't worth it, and neither was the god-awful Jimmy Hula's food service. So, good food, just terrible service. Yeah. But anyway, that, that right. one's for you, Clay. But So, first quarter, a terrible start. Raptors go up 9-0 in the first four minutes. Clifford then has to call a timeout. A lot of fouls, a lot of whistles out of the gate. Um, Lowry, yeah, Lowry in the middle, all that made a free throw, and then that ended up getting him going the rest of the game. Uh, just terrible magic shot selection. Kawhi picks up two early quick fouls. We didn't really pounce on it, even after he picked up his third later on. We will progressively speak on that. Isaac picks up two very questionable calls, one an offensive foul, one a completely bullshit defensive foul, where he literally just does not touch anybody. Right. Um, and then, you know, so Wandu ends up having to come in early for Isaac. Even Marcus Gasol picks up two fouls. Vooch is getting his ass kicked by Gasol, especially in game two. And, and we kind of saw this coming. That's the lumbering, oafish type of opposing center that has caused him problems throughout his career. And I, I don't know. It's they're, they're throwing help. I mean, they keep throwing help at uh, at him when he's posting up, and it just the ball was sticking. I. We pointed out during the game, especially with like Fournier, but like uh, uh, Vooch in the post, and then even like Augustine's holding on to it a little bit here and there. It's just, I don't know for some reason the the ball isn't just flowing like it needed to, especially when Toronto was ratcheting things up. Part of that is they were getting in passing lanes or they were providing help from spots or angles that maybe they weren't expecting help to come for. Look, if you're a Magic guy. Yeah, their defense in Game 2 was great, at least at the outset. The first quarter, they clamped down on everything. And I thought part of it, uh, obviously, the, the decision-making has been suspect um, in both games from Vooch. You know, obviously, he hasn't been playing well. But I, to me, it looked like the team was shell-shocked in the first quarter. They, they were even the in the... Rare instances where they had an open look at the basket, they would pause and not take the open shot, and uh, that poor start kind of continued throughout the game. Yeah, and just we, we let Toronto get out in transition, or just they, they looked a lot speedier on offense than they did in Game One. I mean, we don't, you know, Lowry hits a three. The the Raptors are up sixteen to two. You know, the Magic off the Aaron Gordon putback dunk off of a Vooch free throw miss. Vooch is zero for two at the line for the game. 
Magic as a whole can't hit a fucking free throw the whole game, like 54% from the line. Ugh. I mean, like I said, we, we didn't score our first bucket till AG got that putback dunk with 7.15 to go in the first quarter. We're down 16-2 to two before Fournier hits a three. Like, just awful start. Very, It's tough enough to, to win a game two against a team that knows they absolutely have to win that game two. It's it's not like you know the Clippers come back from thirty one down against the Warriors where Golden State's just dicking around like they're not taking right. them seriously. Toronto knows they got to win this. Yeah. And well, it's hard not only to miss shots, but it's hard when you're not getting, you're not even getting shots up. I mean, the turnovers to start the game really set a terrible tone. And yet, despite the sixteen to two thing down, we're down like twenty to ten. Nurses forced to take a timeout with about three and a half to go in the first, and it's like, oh wow, we're settling down somehow. And I, I don't know. I mean, Terrence Ross got going early, mostly and pretty much all in that first half. It was pretty much Ross and AG that settles settled us down offensively. Siakam picks up two fouls. We're only down 24 to 18 with like a minute to go in the period. We're down eight going into the second, despite shooting three of nine at the free throw line. <laughs> Six of 17 from the field. You know, Aaron had eight in the first. Ross had seven. Kawhi had 12. And that first quarter in particular, Kawhi, we didn't push him at all. Like he's literally taking a stroll to about ten or twelve feet from the from the basket yeah. and just easily just taking shots in. It's not like later on as the game progresses where he's hitting like fadeaway baseline jumpers, which is becoming a, a, a favorable shot for him, or like pull up threes. Well, it's it's okay. So AG for the most part does a does yeoman's work against Kawhi Leonard. Right? Yeah, look, Kawhi's got but, a bigger wingspan, yeah. etc. But but there's a difference between taking a contested shot that you don't want to take and taking a contested shot on the spot from the spot on the floor that you exactly wanted to get to. And I mean, he got there without resistance. Yeah. So um, Isaac, he's. This is one of those where if he hits his open threes or he hits his open looks, it's a completely different first half. I mean, Isaac for the game, one of eight, one of uh, zero for six from three point range. A lot of wide open threes. And- so, so he's one of ten for the series from three, uh, and they've classified all ten of his three point shots as open or wide open looks. So yeah. that's a troubling trend. So you're hoping that you know coming back. Game three and four, home crowd, those those start going in. But we'll find out. Second quarter, Lowry hits another three. Then Kawhi picks up a, his third foul, though, early in the second. And you and I are praying to God that Nurse pulls him, doesn't, sticks with him. And Fournier, very noticeable, poor shot selection at this point. Just way too much dribble penetration given up to the Raptors again on the other end. Just our wings, just people are looking at Vooch immediately as getting abused and all that. And look, that happened in the third quarter where Toronto's absolutely just attacking Vooch. Yeah. But a lot of that's because the outside, the perimeter defense just is not containing at all. And unless you have like a Rudy Gobert back there, it's really tough to, to contest stuff. Cause even Ken Birch couldn't do anything when he came in. Um, MCW is, uh, coming back down to earth a little bit. I would think, uh, I, I mean, he, he has, he, he provides the effort. Yeah. He, he was getting to the hole a bunch, but it just, all of his shots that came out of his hand looked terrible, even if he was like three, four, seven feet away from the rim. Just a lot of difficulty with that. You look at his box score, he goes four of nine. A lot of that's in garbage time, too, right, yeah. um, where he has eight points, nine rebounds. I mean, statistically, I think he's our fifth highest scorer, which you probably don't want that to be the case. Not ideal. Um, you know, the Magic, even after Ross puts up 15 points, he has 15 of our 26 points when we're down 38 to 26. 
then Danny Green gets into foul trouble too. It's just like it's just really tallying up, and it's it. We went into it knowing it wasn't a good officiating crew. Yeah, and it's it was it was bad on both ends, particularly. Uh, I agree with that. I mean, it was just you're calling it tight, and then you're calling it stupid. And we benefited from some Raptors foul trouble, but obviously they tagged Isaac with a couple crappy ones. It was just inconsistently wild up and down bullshit refing the whole game. Um, the Raptors. It's funny how the Rap, how the Raptor fans were really unhappy with the officiating, but really some of the fouls they made were actually quite obvious, including the DJ Augustine hack on a three pointer, where he gets yeah. to go to the free throw line. He cuts it to ten. We're down forty three thirty three with three thirty to go in the half, and I kept repeating myself at the bar. It's like we just get it to single digits, keep it single digits going to the half, we'll be okay. It doesn't quite pan out like that. Nurse. Just keep Kawhi in there. Like, just kept him in there. He probably yeah. would have played if this game was competitive. He probably Kawhi would have probably played like forty-two minutes in the yeah. game instead of thirty-three. Ballsy move to play basically the whole second quarter with three fouls for sure. And then just a very, very, very noticeable bad Vucevic stretch where he goes. Uh, he goes in this stretch. He fouls Lowry, then commits a bad turnover in the post, leading to Siakam fast break dunk. Then Vuce airballs a three, and the Magic are down fourteen after all that. And you feel like if Nick. Doesn't fuck up like that. Right. You're in single digits at that point. Um, I mean, even at that point, Clifford, he, he puts Ken Birch in to end the first half. And that's, if that's not a sign, I don't know what it is that Vooch needed to know that he was having to, and he knows he's, he's playing awful. No one needs to tell him this. I feel bad for him that he's having this all-star season, just these two games now in the spotlight. He's getting all this extra pressure and it's he's he's not performing, but a lot of Magic fans are turning on him. And maybe these are the Magic fans that weren't following us this whole season. I don't know, but well, even when he was putting up all-star numbers all year, there's a lot of Magic fans that aren't in his corner. So, yeah. So, anyway, the Magic are down 51-39 39 at the half. So, down a dozen, not not game over by any means, especially if you start off the third quarter as well as maybe the Raptors started their third quarter last right. game, yep. game one. Um, but Magic players not named Terrence Ross or Aaron Gordon were 3 of 24 from the field at that point. You, you need more than two guys showing up scoring-wise. Hard to win that way. Uh, the Magic were 13 of 40 at the break, 32.5 field goal percentage, 8 of 16 at the free throw line. So even if you have those misses misses into makes you're down eight at the break right and just psychologically that's a difference too the Ra- mean, it just is the raptors were shooting 51 percent. they'd be doing a lot more of that as the game progressed uh you know leonard had 17 points siakam 12 points lowry who is starting to become one of my most hated uh magic foes of all time already he had 12 points so a lot more than a bagel uh and I still didn't feel terrible about the game, even though Nick and Evan were struggling mightily and our defense wasn't contesting. You feel like, okay, if the defense starts taking stuff away and maybe you get a few easier extra buckets here or there, like you can definitely come back. And, well, third yeah. quarter just didn't happen. Just no pressure on Kawhi Leonard. Again, you give him like that fadeaway baseline jumper all day that he loves. You keep letting him stroll 10 to 12 feet from the basket for casual looks. Gasol and Vooch, they're fouling the shit out of each other. They each got three fouls, but fouls don't play a role at this point because Nurse is keeping the starters out there right. for the most part. Uh, Kawhi puts Toronto up 17 three minutes into the period, and you're almost ready to wave the white flag. Like You're not quite there yet, but then you get Siakam on a fast break and one. We're down 21 with 6.30 to go in the third period, and now I'm like, it's game over. Like yeah. we, I think at that point we decided to go, which 
was probably our smartest idea going from basement to the woods. Just because, one, it's you, me, and our two buddies, and the other, it's because, well, we had outstanding mojitos as well. Great mojito. Really great fucking mojito. $7 mojito. Terrible third quarter. Great mojito. (laughs) $7 mojito, which doesn't sound cheap, but you get a mojito around downtown Orlando, usually paying 10 bucks or more. But anyway, uh, (laughs) I have to pick a good optimistic point at at, at this moment because we walked past the Wall Street party and whatnot, and there's more people at Wall Street for this Tuesday night game two than there was for a Saturday night game one. And so the fans are buying in. They're still buying in because we still have home court advantage, despite us getting you know the whole second half. Or I mean, after that, the final eighteen minutes don't mean jack shit. We're right. down ninety yeah. to sixty six going time. into the fourth. That's it's right. garbage time. The Raptors shot. We're shooting fifty four and a half percent at that point. It drops to forty eight because they put their scrubs in for a good portion of the end there. Um, the only notable point of the fourth quarter is MCW gets chippy with Lowry a bit there, and we probably need to monitor that going forward. Um, and look, the Magic lose 111-82. The 29-point loss is the fourth worst in our franchise's playoff history. Uh, I think Christian Brewery tweeted out that the other uh, three losses all were uh, in series that the Magic lost. They lost by 31 at the Pistons in 03. They lost by 35 at the Heat in 97. They lost by 39 at the Bulls in 96. Whatever. It's, it's just a stat. It doesn't mean shit. It doesn't matter had we lost by 70. We're yeah. going home 1-1, right. and that's the key. And that's what people really need to actually just, just mention in that, about that. But I know you did more f- film analysis. You, I know that you have, I guess, more takes. So I'm going to yield the mic to you on what type of, I guess, counters the Magic can make in Game 3 or what problems you saw from Game 2. Well, before we get into a little little miniature coach's corner type deal, you know, we haven't been in the playoffs in seven years, and I think it's a good reminder to the fans of the – the wild emotional swings from one game to the next. I mean, uh, what's the Phil Jackson thing? It turns on a trifle. We yeah. win. We win game three, and we're right back in the driver's seat. So the the As, point differential for game two, and the fact that it was a shitty performance, is not a huge deal. As of this moment, yeah. we're in the driver's seat. Right. We don't have to win another game in Toronto if we win at home. Yeah. If we keep winning at home, this game, the series is over in six. We right. win in six. Right. So anyway, okay, yeah. so give us our, our coaches speak here. All right, so watching game two, the Raptors obviously uh, not only playing with more energy and uh, effort defensively and offensively, playing with purpose, but they made a couple, a couple of tactical changes that really caused us a lot of problems. And I'm going to run through what I saw. We'll Go dialogue together. We'll yep. see what the Magic can do for game three. So one of the biggest things that changed in game two, the Magic do a lot of handoff action or a lot of... Not necessarily dribble handoffs, but a little pitch at the top of the key. Uh, And the Raptors started really pressuring and denying those. There was one time, I think, the whole game where Vooch was able to hit Augustine backdoor on one of those aborted handoff plays. Yeah. Uh, But we still didn't score off of it. So basically, if they're going to continue to pressure the handoffs like that, you gotta you gotta cut back door more, and you really gotta get more physical to get their hands off. Or even uh, we have a couple of brush or chip screens down on the low block to get separation on the guy coming to to receive the handoff. Because really, we're not getting into any of our offensive actions, and then it leads to a Fournier shot that's contested on a step back with three seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah, look, I, I trust Clifford pointed all like his coaching staff. They pointed all this stuff out. Like this team knows that 
they just got to move more. They just got to move with more purpose. They got to make everything more important about preserving possessions because this team, when they have high turnovers, it usually doesn't go well for them. And 17 turnovers is pretty high for them. You're not going to win with 17 turnovers against the Raptors, especially when they're live ball turnovers, getting them out in transition. Yeah, and that's something that Toronto definitely thrived on in game two was just getting out on the run a lot more. So, sorry, continue. So, they've also started, and we've seen this a lot throughout the year, especially as uh, in the second half of the season as T. Ross was established himself essentially as the only bench scorer on the team. Yeah. So, they're, they're blitzing all of his uh, pick and roll opportunities and Kem primarily with Kem Birch because it's the second unit yeah. and Kem is still setting a great screen as he does and then diving to the rim but he's not providing an outlet to to T Ross who's getting trapped by two guys close to the half court line it seems like there's a body literally in his line of vision every time so in order to circumvent that or to counter that instead of continuing with his roll all the way down the center to the front of the rim he's got a short roll or hang out kind of at the nail the free throw line area or top of the key to be an outlet and he's proven that he can that Ken Birch can receive that pass and then make the next available pass to keep the ball moving uh, or he's got to slip the screen earlier and get out of there and take his man out of the way so that Ross can operate. Because let's face it, T. Ross, great shooter, makes a couple good passes, but he's not a playmaker. No. And we don't want him to make try and force the action 50 feet away from the rim. He literally has a continuous green light, which is yeah. fine. For this team, we need that. He's the only guy other than Fournier, which I don't want Fournier to do that. I want Ross to do that. Right. I want him to have the green light. I was hoping as the, as game two progressed that he would actually get more shots. I was like, fuck it, chuck it, T-Ross. Why not? We need it. Yeah. Because, I mean, Ross, he, he, he had 15 points in the game. All that came in, like, this first, I don't know, eight minutes on the court. It was something absurd like that. He right. plays 27 minutes in the game, but he only gets 10 shot attempts up. He's three of seven from three-point range. Get him more touches. Get him more looks. Yeah, especially when he's hot like he was, for sure. Yeah. So, so next point for you. So this is the biggest one, and we look, we've seen it. We've all seen it with our eyes, and we've seen it on the box score, but how do we get Vucevic going? And that's twofold. Uh, put a little screen grab up on Twitter earlier this week where you can see the space. <laughs> Vucevic has the ball in the post. Yeah. He gets doubled. The guy who goes to double-team him, Norm Powell, is the second guy on him. Yeah. He leaves Wes Awundu to go double-team him. Wes Awundu's standing out of bounds, so he's not available. And then three Magic players are between the top of the key and the right wing. Basically, all of them with him are within arm's reach of each other. It's terrible, terrible spacing. And if you're not going to give Vucevic an outlet to pass the ball, it's going to lead to turnovers. He's got to do a better job of picking the right pass out. There's no reason why Gasol should be getting deflections on passes going out of the post back out when they're double-teaming him. So Vucevic has to make better decisions with the pass. Mm -hmm. But also, they're not double-teaming him immediately on the catch. No, I, yeah, you're right. I mean, so, he's, it's like he's waiting for it. Right. He's sitting back and literally waiting so for it. So after two games of seeing that defense, he needs to be more decisive. On the catch, one dribble, right hook, left hook and try and be more assertive offensively. And if you're going to wait for the double team to come, then the spacing has to be better so that we can rotate the basketball and get Toronto scrambling and actually get better uncontested shots. And I think you got one more point to give us, Penny? Well, that brings us to what kind of defensive adjustments we can make. Obviously, Kawhi killed us in Game 2. Um, and in the second half, the Magic threw a little trap action at him in the ball screens, which... Yeah. 
we've basically shown base defensive uh, packages all year long, and mm-hmm. really that's not Vucevic's skill set to go out and hedge hard or double a ball handler. So I would argue continue to single cover Kawhi, let him go off, and continue to try and rein in the Toronto role players moving forward and have, take the uh, you know one-guy-can't-beat-us approach. Well, my thing is a lot of this might be fixed with home fans. I, I really do. Um, the Magic are going home, or have already come home. They've won nine straight games at home going from back to the regular season when it concluded. So this is going to be the first home playoff game since 2012. We were at the last home playoff game in 2012, game four against the Pacers. It was an overtime loss. It's by far the loudest that Amway Center building's ever been, though. And I'm hoping that Friday and Sunday, it's we're going to top that. Um, funny that Amway Center actually hasn't been that kind to us, going back to the 2011 first-round series loss to the Hawks. Right. So... We could set a new precedent here, hopefully. But I would wager that Friday night will be the loudest the building has ever been for a Magic game. I'm I'm with you on that, and I'll be in there, so I'll know to, to be certain. But uh, look, the Magic—they haven't lost in there since February 22nd, so we're we're almost getting on two months now since that Bulls game out of the All Star break. Yeah. So, and we saw it at Fan Appreciation Night with for that Hawks game where we put up 149 points. The fans—they're they're in. They're they're in. They're going to be excited. They're going to be amped. Orlando, bring it. Bring the energy. We'll set the atmosphere for our team to succeed. Officiating should go at least a tad bit better in our favor if we show aggressiveness. Uh, Part of that, too, it's home fans putting some pressure on. If you're yelling like crazy and if you see that the officials are calling just terrible stuff, you let them hear it because it does make a difference. No one's going to admit that from the league office or the refs, you know, uh, association or whatnot. It makes a difference, but we're going to find out. Uh, Tracy McGrady's going to be there for Game Three. He's going to on the Fox Sports Florida telecast broadcast. He's going to call the second quarter at least with uh, David and Jeff. So hopefully that goes well. Uh, maybe this Game Three and Four plays out like it did in 2003 against the Pistons before it went horribly wrong and Tayshawn Prince made a name for himself. I'd much prefer that. Otherwise, I hope we don't repeat uh, 2012 and how that Pacers series panned out where you win game one and then you lose the next four. I don't want that. No. I'm not expecting that. I'm not making any predictions because, like I said, once I've made a prediction before a series starts, I don't change it. Again, I hope the Magic can win this series. I don't care in how many games. Just freaking win. Uh, Speaking of the Fox Sports Florida uh, broadcast, though, I, I... do kind of miss Lisa Leslie being on the studio for her, I guess, non-magic takes in some way. No, but she's got very, like, she's got very great takes. And look, she was a center in the WNBA, and she actually has pretty good advice for people like Vooch, believe it or not. And I would be curious to know what her insight would be for how to counter some of this Mark Gasol stuff. Definitely has firsthand knowledge for sure. I mean, it's like all you got is Brian Hill in there with Paul Kennedy. Like they don't even have Nick Anderson in there, so why not? You could use a third, especially when you're adding a third to you know the David and Jeff tandem. So well, hey, thanks to the Lightning for shitting a historic bed. We get both Paul Porter and Paul Kennedy uh, freed up for the rest of the playoff run too. You can always hear it in his voice when he gets extra excited, but you're going to hear it in Paul Porter's oh, yeah. voice on Friday. Like he's especially probably now that he can't rely on Tampa Bay Lightning games anymore. Like this is all he's got he's, for the next few months. He's putting off his retirement to get back to the playoffs, so we got to reward him. 
so before I get on my rant that I was going to get on, uh, I do I, I do want to commend again the Orlando Magic Pod Squad for another great podcast episode. Before Game Two, they had Evan Fournier on, who Evan never shy to express his opinion. Just another worthy listen. Uh, Jeff Turner had a very interesting, emphasizing point towards the end about how much uh, Vucevic, Evan, and even like Aaron Gordon have invested seasons-wise into into this team. I mean, they've been here for the majority of the bad years with with this Magic team. And he, you know, when you take a look at Toronto, other than Kyle Lowry, the Raptors look like a bunch of mercenaries was his word. And it didn't pan out like that in game two. But again, we'll see if we can, uh, if we can maybe uh, outwill them maybe in game three and four. Yeah. All right. My rant. Here we so, go. So I have a rant against 96.9 the game AM 740. Particularly Mike Bianchi's morning show. So, and I also throw in the in the zone afternoon show with uh, Kravitz and the Shot Doctor. But uh, Mark Daniels, who we're all I'm always good with. I have no issues with him. He's Mr. UCF. Even though he's a Knicks fan, whatever. He's 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 the man to me. I've been listening to Mark Daniels since I was like a little kid in my dad's car on the radio all the time. You know, they also have Dante Marcatelli's Magic Drive Time show. Great, but it's only 30 minutes. So, Monday morning, I'm in an awesome mood as I wake up. I mean, I tune in. I'm expecting Magic discussion after we took game one. Nope, none of that. No. I'm hearing Tiger getting discussed for the entire 90 minutes that I can bear to listen to the damn thing. And there's, look, Bianchi, he's doing his Sentinel stuff up there in Toronto covering the, the Magic, whatever. So... There's like these two newbies on and like a Laker fan on covering for him. And I was very, very unhappy. Uh-oh. Uh, even if Mike Bianchi wasn't up in Toronto, this is kind of becoming a common issue where the same problem occurs, where the Magic just don't get discussed nearly enough. And the same thing in the afternoon. I actually, because I don't really care for the show, I listen to Kravitz, the shot doctor, whatever, at 3 p.m., and they talk about football, they talk about Tiger, they even talk about baseball instead of talking about the Magic for the first half hour that I actually try to listen to it on the iHeartRadio app. And it's maddening, it's frustrating, I'm not happy about it, and you know, it's my mistake for giving the show a chance at this point. But what finally triggered me was, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, this morning, Thursday morning, 96.9 game, runs a morning poll asking fans about Vucha's free agency contract status, what it should be after these bad, you know, these terrible first two games or whatnot. It's only been two games. Yeah, because now the, now's the time to do it. Wait for a postseason to end. Like, we could still be playing basketball a month from now, and a lot will have changed by then if that's the case. You know why? Because we have home court advantage right now. We have freaking home court advantage right now. It's 1-1. Like, I don't see a bunch of dead bodies in the back with, like, shovels stuck into the ground. We're, it's 1-1. We have home court advantage. Why run that poll now? Like, why would you do that? I mean, how about giving your all-star a chance to turn it around? The Magic are the only major four-sport team we have in town, and we just don't have enough people on some of these radio stations to talk about it. I mean, like, what the freaking hell are they doing? I don't know. Like, what's going on with the funding there? I, I don't know. But Bianchi, he's two or three co-hosts that he have. They're just incapable of talking about basketball. Or I'll get on, like, an Orlando City soccer rant, too, as well, for more than 15 minutes at a time. They just can't do it. And if you're incapable of talking about it, bring guests on. Bring magic writers. Bring blogger, bloggers. Heck, bring Raptors writers or bloggers on. Like, Mark Daniels does that, too, sometimes. All they've got is that one Stan Van Gundy segment, and that's it. That's all they got. That's the only reason why I still bother listening in. Scott Inez on AM 580, 
He has zero trouble keeping Orlando engaged with two to three hours of Magic basketball. And look, I know he did. You know, he he was the guy. He he literally worked you know Magic games on the radio for about three decades, and so it's not as difficult for him. But still. Use callers if you have to. If funding's a problem for the radio station, then get a bunch of UCF or full sale kids who care about the magic to actually like get on. Provide careers for them. Provide opportunities. All those kids, they're trying to get Orlando Magic internship jobs. Give them a chance to actually speak their mind or delve into their fandom. I don't see it. So this is why our podcast was created back in 2016 for stuff like this. And this is why my mind was triggered again today to come up with this. But this is why we brought the podcast back in March 2019. It's because radio and TV coverage has not improved since then. Even as we've now made our playoff run, it has not improved at all. Even as we're we're in a 1-1 situation with home court advantage with the Raptors, it hasn't improved. At least there are more Magic podcasts, or at least podcast listening options, which is good. I'm actually happy about that. Competition is good. I appreciate that. But 96.9, do better. Just consider this unhappy feedback from somebody who most of you follow on Twitter. I'm just going <laughs> to leave it at that. But I just I want you all to do better. I really do. And now I'm done. So, Penny, if you want to add anything to that, or if you want to just discuss about your excitement for Game 3 and 4, any final thoughts on that? I'm riled up now, too. I don't even... I don't even listen to 96.9, but now I'm going to see if they implement any changes because they damn well better. Otherwise, I don't know. But look, we we appreciate you listening to another episode of the podcast. Again, we're not doing an episode after game three or before game four. We're going to wait for after these two home games to play out. Hopefully we're up 3-1. We very well might be. So we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you have questions or feedback, please tweet at us. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go magic, take care, and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way.